0: Uh, this is Zach Fox. I'm a comedian, artist, and hologram from Atlanta, Georgia. And the good news is we can only really go up from here.
1: Fair. And uh, what song are you want to talk about today?
0: So the song is No Hook by OJ to Juice Man. And the year that... This takes place is in
2: 2013. All I know is mathematics on chicken,
1: What up y'all? Welcome to another episode of the Nostalgia Mixtape. I'm very excited about this episode because it's one of the wildest stories I've ever heard. Our guest this week is Zach Fox who is kind of like an oracle of going viral on the internet and he does it in, a, in such a great way in a way that like punches up he's like the, the people's champion of going viral I love his stuff so much and the way Zach and I met was during my time living at Brain Feeder headquarters in Los Angeles he and Thundercat used to come over and hang out with my roommates Paul and Adam and I was living there so I would get to be there and we would put some wood in the fireplace and throw on some YouTube videos on TV. And we would have our own version of Mystery Science Theater 3000, just roasting whatever we could find, whether it was like some old video of one of our favorite Ethiopian singers or like even one of Zach's old videos. It It was a very fun time in my life. And so when I reached out to Zach to do this episode, he was very, very down because he has truly a crazy story. It's a story that he described as a hood version of a Guy Ritchie movie, and th- I mean, that's the perfect description. It's a heist, but it's a heist done by some ragtag friends from the Edgewood neighborhood of Atlanta. And it's one of the best stories I've ever heard. So, without too much further ado, let's let Zach set it up.
2: You my wrist, take a risk When i my out here serving fish Cook a brick, serve a brick
0: Zach in 2013 was a pretty angry person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was just, I was like freshly uh, dropped out of school, Mm -hmm. out of college, Mm -hmm. art school, where I, you know, I met a lot of great people, but I was just like, I was so over it and the debt that I was putting myself into, I was just like, man, this is this is so whack. And um, I had like a huge desire for community and like getting back to, I don't know, just like I'd been so like in in this stuffy, like Soviet ass, like weird environment of art school kids that I, that I hated. And I was like, I just want to go back and hang out in the streets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, I don't really care where it leads, but and that and that's exactly what I was doing i was uh I was essentially squatting in East Atlanta mm. in the Edgewood neighborhood mm. um with a few people who would come to be at, at, at the helm of awful records, mm. and I think there were like i mean there were like six people in this house uh, on Hutchinson Street, mm. <laughs> and yeah, I was just a, a dude squatting.
1: Did you grow up in Edgewood too or
0: No, I kinda grew up everywhere in Atlanta. You know, I I I lived in Atlanta from the age of twelve to just last year.
1: Okay.
0: And I, I mean, I saw everything from a teenager. I was, you know, being like poor as fuck in like South Atlanta. And then me and my mom had to move to Gwinnett County for a while, uh, which mm-hmm. is on the north side. Mm-hmm for a second I lived midtown for a second I lived in like the Auburn like Edgewood Avenue area kind of just everywhere okay uh, hopped around
1: okay can you kind of describe Edgewood for me a little bit like if you're if you're driving through Edgewood on a regular day like what are you seeing or if you're walking through Edgewood
0: uh Edgewood is 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 a little bit like that it's way more like that now because the like just neighborhoods being gentrified and being changed is it's like happening so rapidly in atlanta but during this time it's kind of weird because i mean this is like 2013 but circa like man even when i was in high school in like 09 when i moved to atlanta 03 like this part of town you just didn't go like dilly-dally around you know what i mean like really poor black part of town and um even during the time that we're there, like the housing projects around the corner, you know, every night there was like just another thing, another reason for for sirens. But there were also like a lot of working class black families around us. Mm-hmm. So you had like this real like genuine honesty about, you know, who was who was sticking there and who was sticking it out to just be a part of this neighborhood. and And you also saw the people who were kind of just like, slowly creeping in and you you could even back then i could see i was like man in in a few years this is not gonna be what i see now and i need to just like cherish this shit Mm -hmm. even if it's like tumultuous and i get like i got like ptsd from it but Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it wasn't that bad but still like the things that i saw there i was like man this is not gonna be the same because i remember around the end of 2013 you know those like mansions or those houses that kind of just look like Someone just like dropped Legos onto a plot of land. Yeah, um, very angular. Yeah, one of those popped <laughs> up like right, like literally right on the outskirts of the little pocket of Edgewood that and I was Edgewood. staying in. And, and yeah, and it was literally like it was almost like white people like I'm like I'm on dipping your shit, your like I'm not touching you, but right. but they were dipping their toe, and and you were just like, wow, this is the beginning of it. Yep, but. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it's crazy because during this time there were so many weirdos and just so much like youth and and energy mm-hmm. in Edgewood and it just felt like the place where you could go like have the best night or the worst night depending mm-hmm. on on factors. But yeah. That was that was Edgewood 2013.
1: Are there any rappers we would know about who are from Edgewood?
0: Yeah. Who's from Edgewood? So that area of town Edgewood to Kirkwood you're gonna find Future Mm -hmm. Young Scooter Mm -hmm. Gucci Gucci's more like it's amorphous he had such a big span like Custer which is more east Custer and and Boulder Crest Mm -hmm. which is where like OJ and Gucci kind of like made their stamp but Gucci also had that like stamp on Kirkwood and, Mm and Edgewood and I mean there's there's way more. I mean, I can't even off the, off the top of my head, but anyone that you could think of, anyone that you could find, you could probably just find it Googling um, Little Mexico or Edgewood or Kirkwood rappers. It's quite a, quite a few. And the production is just so on point. You have people who are like so prodigious and so dynamic who don't get a lot of mainstream credit, but... Will always be like my heroes 808 Mafia, TM88, Southside, Sunny Digital, going back to DJ Holiday. Then you can go back even further to DJ Jelly. Like those are the dudes who made Atlanta important. Yep. Um, the rappers are the face and the lyrics True. and the, the things that we chant and the things that we know that are so anthemic, but without that like foundation.
1: Couldn't have that. Will you tell me a little bit about Red Stores? Yeah.
0: Uh, so the Red Store is a really specific landmark in the Edgewood neighborhood. Uh, that's literally just a, a Red Store. Yeah. Oh man, I'm thinking. Uh, fuck. There's literally a lyric in my head right now about the Red Store. Um, but yeah, it was just it. It was right. It was nestled right between our street. And the neighborhood, which is directly behind uh, the red store, which was just like Section 8 housing, I believe. And it was just a small, like shitty municipal convenience store that I don't think had alcohol, but it was just like, you know, just a shitty, like little corner store, and people would be hanging out like all day around there. I almost got beat up there once. I would go there every day and get Lucy's. Nice. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was, that was. My thing, I would get on a bike, ride down to the Red Store, get a Lucy, Mm -hmm. ride back. And I would do that like five times a day, scrounging for change. That was
1: life in Edgewood?
0: I was broke as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. This was also around the time when I was living there, that young Scooter was out Okay, and coming out. He's also, you know, Edgewood is kind of like morphs into the the area where young scooter is from and where future is from which is Kirkwood mm-hmm. uh, little Mexico mm-hmm. where I never lived in little Mexico but I lived uh, I lived right across from the zone six precinct okay which is right there in, in Kirkwood for a second I lived there but this is one red Store lyric that I can find for you of many of many but it's verse verse one. In Jug Season, from Jug Season, it's uh, count up. Jug Season,
1: That's the song? Young Scooter
0: by Young Scooter, and he says bricks and duffel dirts, got duffel plugs in Baltimore. My niggas shoot out corner store, so don't go past the red store. He rhymes store with store, just so he could do the good thing. He
1: could do that. Young Scooter's allowed to do that, but
0: literally, like that's the that's the only way I can describe to you what. The Red Store is. It's is part of everyone's
1: experience in Atlanta. It's part of
0: everyone's, not everyone, not everyone. Yeah, yeah, but everyone who was in that specific part of town. Uh, don't go past the Red Store is the only way I can describe <laughs> what you feel like when you, you get to the Red Store and right across from it. When I was living there, and I think still there's a little community garden. Mm-hmm. It's really nice and really quaint, but you know that right down that street is not where you're supposed to be. So you just go back to, and it's it's so weird, man. It's like separated by one street, where everything's kind of peachy, and then you hit this street, and there's that intersection where you can make that choice, <laughs> and it's like, ah, yeah, I'm good. I'll go back home.
1: Thanks for Thanks for letting us know. Yeah, appreciate that. Do you agree or disagree that you can trace trap music back to Three Six Mafia? That's hard because that's difficult
0: because three, six mafia and Memphis. I I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say that you could trace, you could trace bits of the sound back to Houston Mm -hmm. and definitely some Dallas shit Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and definitely Memphis. But there's just so many other factors that go into it. Like, You know, I mean, as far as trap, like, what's your, give me someone, give me a name or give me, like, an example of who you're thinking, and then maybe I could say that's derivative of, of this or, or not, but I feel, I just, I honestly feel like trap was so, like, homegrown Yeah. to the, to the situation.
1: Yeah. To me, it's like that sound, like, 3-6 Mafia had a lot of those, like, like, those hi-hat rolls, like, that... <laughs> can't really do it mm-hmm. that i hear a lot in atlanta music mm-hmm. i was like a kid when three six mafia was first coming out so I, I can't say for certain if they were the first people to do that yeah but to me it, f- it feels like they may have they may have done that first
0: yeah because i mean it even three six mafia was coming out of a a rap environment that was filled with a lot of other people like the, the memphis underground was just so vast true like there's true. shit that like None of us will ever hear <laughs> that came out, and you know. Then you have dudes like Kingpin, Skinny Pimp, mm-hmm. um, who are making similar music, and then you got to factor in like Miami bass, mm-hmm. Then you got to factor in uh, New Orleans bounce, mm-hmm. which heavily affected uh, Atlanta music, especially after Katrina. I don't know, man. It's, that's an interesting question, but I do think Atlanta is like the sum of its influences, but also just it has that gestalt quality where it's like, Atlanta is that thing. It is that sound. Yep. But there's definitely something that, like, a,
2: a mixture a
0: cocktail of those a
2: no Let me find out you little niggas on the keys. talking with robbing me of shit. Let me find out. up air where you hide now. Till your stream cold turkey. Call a quiz. Time out. Let me find out. Try me, it gonna be some consequences. ARZ well. Honey rounds in a stench. I just
1: want to get a little bit more like into like what kind of like mental state you're in um, leading up to this story. Mm -hmm. You said in college that you had like maybe the passion for art, but there was just something about it you didn't really relate to. Mm -hmm. What was that? Uh, I think at this time I I was just like,
0: no one should go to art school to learn how to be an artist. Mm -hmm. I completely, I mean... I learned a lot and I appreciate that. But if I had the chance to go back and I hate saying that I would change anything about my past because Mm -hmm. obviously the factors wouldn't have led me where I am now. Mm -hmm. But if I could go back and maybe make that decision, I'd probably just would have done what I was going to end up doing anyway, which is just be around, you know, and Mm -hmm. be around the people that I want to work with and be around smart young black people like me who want to build things and who want to make things and who want to make people laugh or make people enjoy shit. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not like that time was wasted, but that time was definitely like, it felt like I was in timeout. Mm -hmm. And and then I got out and I just, I was wilding out. Mm -hmm. Like there was not a a force in the world that was like, going to tell me what to do Mm -hmm. and what I was doing right or wrong so like most of the time i was (laughs) most of the time i spent most of 21 22 i spent most of my early 20s just like completely drunk okay and a little bit angry how come uh angry just like at at everything
1: like at the world at like your circumstances not
0: even at my circumstances Mm -hmm. it was more like angry just like I don't know, man. I I think I had a lot of judgments around that time about just other artists in the city and and the aesthetics that people chose to use. I was Mm. extremely critical and I still am. Mm. And during that time, I was just like, man, I could be better than all these (laughs) niggas. But, you know, and and a little bit of it was like, I didn't have, you know, I didn't have half of what a lot of people had and Mm -hmm. had to like Literally, like, hit the reset button on my life and just like go back to the fucking dirt and like completely reconstruct again um, who I was and, and rediscover like a, just literally a whole new person. Like, mm. I think twenty thirteen was like that birth where I was like, oh shit, I'm a whole entire like new man. I was just becoming that. It was a coming of age time. Huh. Uh, but yeah so it was just filled with like a lot of anger and a lot of like sexual energy and, and sexual anger and angry sex and drunken sex and um drunken angry sex drunken angry sex
1: yeah yeah and was uh was wasn't little Nissan Jessica mm-hmm. was that born out of this or was that before 2013 you know it
0: it it was it was after 2013 but it was still during that time this this like yeah. stage of my life definitely Covers probably like 2013, 2014 to 2015. Okay. I think I started growing up. I don't think I started growing up until I was like 25. Okay. Like growing up. Yep. And like <laughs> being a responsible person <laughs> and like filling out forms. Right. 25.
1: Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and was Lil Nissan, Jessica, was that like also part of the way you were critiquing some of the things you saw in terms of? the artists in Atlanta?
0: Yeah, a little bit. But, you know, I was mostly just trying to be funny. And I've I've had like four different rap aliases that okay. I haven't like I've never like taken completely seriously, but mm-hmm. I I definitely would. But it was it was also definitely like I just wanted to like fuck with people and yeah. and that's where a lot of it came from. That's where booty math came from. That's mm-hmm. where like wanting to do comedy came from was looking at everything looking at how seriously everyone took themselves in this city that was so obviously deprived of a lot of infrastructure to help people make art that everyone was struggling to capture one slice or their slice of the clout or their their influence in the city and not helping each other hmm. and that's all I saw in Atlanta during that time in between rappers between artists between influencers or whatever it just seemed like everyone was like i don't know Mm -hmm. man everybody was just like fighting over one piece of pizza and i was like Mm -hmm. this is why motherfuckers can't do nothing just because everybody's arguing about over who is the best at something or Mm -hmm. who's something where you don't see that in other cities la is now a world-class city when it comes to music and so is atlanta but atlanta Mm -hmm. could be way more important if our legislators and the artists paid as close attention to the city and what it needs for young people Mm -hmm. as other cities do yeah
1: but do you think also like that lack of infrastructure not to say that it's good because it's definitely not a good thing do you think it forces people to be more innovative
0: yeah yeah i think that that's like all that's like everything that It's, like, the raw material of Southern rap and, like, Mm -hmm. Atlanta rap. And just Atlanta's art scene, period, Mm -hmm. is, like, having that lack. And then then people see something, like, so strange come of it. And you're, like, how did this happen? It's, like, well, this is what happens when someone has, like, no help to do something. Then shit gets... That's when shit gets weird and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And that's just, like, a part of, like, America's DNA Mm -hmm. is, like... (laughs) <laughs> Destitution leads to the best
1: shit. here It's literally just like the history of American music, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just ask
0: anybody. Like, so how'd you come up with it? Well, I was um broke and then right.
1: yeah, I'm broke. As fuck yeah. Someone hand me hand me this guitar. Yeah, and some shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. jump into this story, Set, paint the, paint the scene, set it up for us. This is a
0: hot, 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 wet, sweaty night, summer in Atlanta, Edgewood community, Edgewood neighborhood. And during this time, I was, like I said, just sort of like sleeping on a couch, sometimes sleeping on the floor mm-hmm. at a house on Hutchinson Street that was nestled between two other houses also filled with young people so there'd be nights where if one house decided to have a party then someone would just go knock on the other two doors and be like hey i'm going to have a party tonight what do you guys think about that and usually 9 times out of 10 all three houses were like super okay with it That's and true. uh it would always be it would always end up being like hundreds of people on this tiny little plot of land between these uh, three little houses. And this ended up being, I think one of the biggest parties that happened on that small strip of street. And there was everything that you could imagine. in like uh, <laughs> a young, like 20 to 21 year old black party in, okay in Atlanta. And there's, you know, girls twerking it's one of the last years that i've seen like young women twerking in environments like that because it kind of died out after a while when like
1: as soon as diplo caught on
0: as soon as diplo (laughs) caught on and like miley cyrus caught on it kind of it's back now it's back now because there's always that reclamation but it's not we shouldn't have to reclaim twerking when like we were the ones doing it anyway so there's everything that you can imagine happening at the party there's cocaine and there's more cocaine and there's just i think there was a bonfire happening in the back where we were like throwing shopping carts in it
1: that's some real southern shit dude
0: yeah we were just throwing anything that we could find into it there's people in the street across the street there were a few girls who lived in a a nicer condo building that was literally right across the street and They had boxing gloves. One of them was in nursing school and she had boxing gloves. So she would always come and get the boxing gloves and bring them out when we would have parties and be like, it was almost like (laughs) just throwing gasoline on a fire when you do that because everyone wanted to box in the middle of the street. So the street is a boxing ring. One guy shows up with his pet beetle. I remember this specifically. He was a trained kid named Sam and he smelled like ass and pennies <laughs> and he came and he had a pet beetle that he just sat on his like wife beater mm-hmm. and he was covered in tattoos and you could tell he just he smelled like someone who was coming down from heroin mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, he had his pet beetle and I remember my friend this might have been the same night I was really drunk he showed up my friend Nagassi Naga- Naga- showed up with his baby like literally, like showed up with an infant, and what else? I'm trying to paint more of the picture for you, man. Like just people outside, like showing off guns, because mm-hmm. what leads us to the next half of the story is that my friend Mike had just purchased a 357, a Taurus 357. Oh, um, so he's showing it off outside. People are showing off like just all types of shit, man. It, it was such a beautiful like just landscape of of young fuck ups. Mm-hmm. And there's like sex happening in people's rooms. Um,
1: what's that like? What sex?
0: Yeah. Man. During that time?
1: Yeah.
0: Man, that's some of the, the weirdest sex that's happened in my life, I like, <laughs> think. Not to go into
1: detail. <laughs> yeah, I probably
0: shouldn't. Yeah. But anyway, that's so. There's this crazy, like, just magnetic, like, pulsing part of the town where you could probably feel the energy, like, all over because people kept pulling up. Wow. And it's just, it's growing and growing and swelling and swelling and swelling swelling where you can't even, like, really recognize who's coming and who's going, who's hot, who's ugly, who's dangerous, who's not. Mm -hmm. This thing just keeps growing, and... um. I remember when it finally snapped like some you you almost felt it like a rubber band, like just like breaks. My friend White Mike, who goes by White Mike. We don't just call him White Mike to be like,
1: I don't know, weird. <laughs> Ironic or something. He, he <laughs> likes
0: being called White Mike. He comes out he's he comes out of his room and he's like yelling and he's like sweating and frantic and like almost to tears. And he's like, someone just jacked my laptop, which he had just bought along with that pistol that he just got. Oh, no. He's like, someone got my laptop. Like, what the fuck? Like, what's going on? He runs outside. He's asking. I mean, there's hundreds of people outside. There's no way that anyone's going to know. And if they do, who's going to say so? Yeah. And I remember this car pulls off almost, and you feel it like the car pulls off in...
1: In a certain way. In
0: a certain way that feels like in a reaction to... Yep. To him in the street, like, screaming, who the fuck has my laptop? And you, I go l- and look at his door, and it's been kicked in from the doorknob. Like, someone probably kicked it or punched it through his doorknob and just unlocked it and ran in and ran out. Jesus. And in the chaos, no one saw it. So he literally tries to chase this car barefoot <laughs> <laughs> going down the street. And, I mean, there are girls, like oh my God, like what's going on? One girl's like trying to like help me out to find the person. It's such a like terrible thing to see someone like lose something when they have so little. Yep. So I was, everyone was just like really disappointed and sad. And so we're just like kicking people out and kicking people off of the yard and kicking people into the street and then down the street. And Mm -hmm. I remember specifically Mike going in the backyard and and I go back as soon as he's doing it and he's like, I want all these motherfuckers off my shit. Like I want them all off my shit and he raises the gun up and like starts <laughs> <laughs> He starts busting it in the air. And man, that that gets rid of people, so that'll clear a party up. Yeah, so that's kind of how the night ended and we call we kind of all are just like this sweaty, ragtag group of people sitting in a living room like really sorry for this one guy but we were all having so much fun that it's kind of hard to like get rid of the energy but we're angry right and i remember ethereal who's a good friend of mine and an artist on awful records and really like he's almost he's like oddly like sage like and smart in terrible situations okay sometimes yeah and this one specific time is when that sort of came out and he turns into this, like, <laughs> this, like that he turns into like the nineties hacker character okay. who just, who just looks like they're like banging their hands on a computer yeah. and go, and they're going, I'm in.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, there's a firewall. I'm in. They just say, I'm in over and over again. Hmm. And he's kind of like leading the charge to figure out who was it, who who got the laptop and who was with them and who was around. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting, I'm like listening to people talk about who was there. And I'm like, how the fuck did y'all remember that? Right. Like all I remember is the music that was playing. Right. One of those songs being OJ oh, the Juice Man, No Hook. Yep. So this spans into the next day. And the next day is when the climax of this happens because it's, I don't know. The only way I can really explain it is like on some, like, like I was telling you earlier, like a Guy Ritchie movie. Right. It felt like Snatch because it all sort of happens in this one day, and everyone kind of sets out on a mission to do something, and all of it's centering around this one item and this one thing that is like <laughs> the epicenter of it. So fast forward, next day, we're all sitting in Mike's room and he's just like trying anything to find out who it is. We're all making calls. We're all trying to figure out. And Obi is literally now on Instagram and he, <laughs> he finds a picture of a girl on Instagram that he, now mind you, this is 2013. Instagram was getting to a sophisticated place, but it wasn't as sophisticated as it is now. Right. And he finds a picture of a girl who was at the party who will go unnamed. And he's like, this is Shorty. I know this is Shorty who was with the guy that I think took it. And I was like, why do you think that? And in the Instagram, it's a picture of the dude that he thinks took it. And the caption underneath it, she writes, these dumbass niggas.
1: Oh, my God.
0: And he was just like, it's gotta be that because the dude had on a book bag, and he was just like, it had to be that. The dude also took, uh, <laughs> probably should have mentioned this, <laughs> took the box of bullets that Mike had bought along with his gun. Wow. So there's only, what is this? this is a three fifty seven? So it's six. Yeah. So the only bullets that he owns are the six that are in the chamber in the gun. So, that's something I should have mentioned. But anyway, so she the caption these dumbass niggas and we were just like, is that really what you want to want to go off of? And he's like, 100%. I know it was him. He was acting weird and he was in the car that drove off. And we're like, man, this is weird, but okay, we'll we'll go for it. So I go, I walk to by, by where we lived was was by a, a shopping center with a bunch of restaurants in it. So I go with a guy who should also go unnamed. I'm gonna leave everybody unnamed in this because Not it gets to incriminate anyone. It gets it gets it gets weird. Um, I go I go to get something to eat with my friend who um, who is a blood <laughs> who would ride bikes around town, and he sold me my first fixed gear bike. And we would ride around town and I would ride specifically with him because he was a licensed gun carrier and he would always wear like really loose fitting tank tops and and shorts and he would always have the gun like in plain sight. Okay. So he would take over entire lanes of traffic because no one wants to <laughs> no one wants to provoke a dude with dreads on a bike and a red bandana and a, a Springfield 45 on his hip. Mm. So anyway, we go and, and we're we're chilling eating, and we get a call from another guy who was at the party, okay. who has information.
1: Okay,
0: and we're like, okay, like this is weird. And he he hits us, he hits me up, and he's like, look, I know where that girl lives. And we're like, okay, so what does that have to do with it? And he's like. I know that that's where she is, and I know that that's where that dude is. But you can't let anyone know that I know that, but I know that's where that dude is. So if he's there, the guy's laptop has to be there, right? Okay. So we're like, oh, okay, Starting okay. Starting to come together. Starting to come together. So we say, this is this is weird. We go back to the house. By the time we get back to the house, this is only like half an hour. We go to the house. They have also heard this information, and four other guys that I know have showed up to help us, like, find this
1: one person's laptop. Dude, this is amazing.
0: Yeah. So they all show up and, and they're all like... I mean, these are people that I know who are nerds like me. Yeah. Who are not tough, but who are in this weird way. Right. Like, the scary, like... You know, everybody has that, like, scary nerd kid who watches a lot of anime but could beat your ass Mm -hmm. in, like, high school. Imagine that person but grown up, Okay, so a little bit more professional. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, look, man, here's what we need to do. We just need to go over there and get his shit back. And I'm like, now looking back at it, yeah. I was so quick to say yes to that, <laughs> <laughs> like it's almost comical how stupid the idea was, yeah, because these are multiple people with with firearms, right some registered, some not. so both of those things are stupid right. in the first place. And we end up all crunching into a car. There's like three people in a back seat mm. and it's, it, it's getting to dusk now. Okay. And so we're riding over, we're riding, going north, 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 up towards the Lenox area of Atlanta.
1: And are you hearing OJ the Juice Man on the radio as you're driving around? This
0: By this time, OJ the Juice Man, this song wasn't even out long enough okay, to be on the radio. Okay. But there's two songs happening on this ride over. Okay. And it's No Hook. By OJ the Juice Man, which is our, which is our subject, <laughs> and fifty K by Waka Flock. use
2: before I leave my house, grab my pistol my
0: Because that was out at the same time. And <laughs> yeah, I remember writing up or writing to the Linux area and we get to this apartment complex and uh we get a call and my friend had geotagged down to the the actual apartment that they were in wow and it was just so crazy man I don't know how th- like stuff like this doesn't happen you' this never a really, real mission f- dude. you never really find the person who who stole something no. and We go up and all of us are in this hallway and I'm like, what are we about to do when we knock on this person's door? Like, what if we all die right here in this hallway over like a piece of technology? Right. And there was that side of my brain and then there was the other side. Like, I don't really give a fuck about my life (laughs) anyway. Oh, man. Uh, So yeah, we go and I had on just a regular t-shirt. Everyone else looked a, a lot more suspicious than me. So they all crowded around the other sides of the door. It's like an apartment breezeway where it has stairs at either end. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of just be on the side of the door and no one's going to see you through the people. And all they see is me.
1: <laughs> Wait, why did you get volunteered to be in front of the door?
0: I volunteered myself. Ah, okay. This was the time. that okay. <laughs> <I>
1: was,
0: oh. <laughs> So, yeah. And i not and uh this this girl opens the door and um she's like w- who who are you what what do you want and i was like look i'm going to just get straight to it uh-huh. um you were at my house last night and something went missing while you were there and she's like i don't know what you're talking about i don't know who you are and you should just like get away from my house And the guys that I'm with hearing that then proceed to come into the frame. Oh, man. Behind me. And one of them says, you better start knowing some stuff. (laughs) And that's the moment. That's the the moment, I think, where it hit. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. This is not how this is supposed to go. Oh, no. This is not it. And she immediately starts crying, like crying, like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Super apologetic. And then I hear a door open, and I freak out Uh instantly. My heart drops. And two more girls, (laughs) (laughs) college-age girls, two more girls come out and see her crying and see me just sort of standing there awkwardly mm. like a fucking nerd. And they start crying oh my God. because they all knew what was going on because oh, they see all these guys. Wow. And it immediately, it just, it got so funny so fast, man. When I tell you it, it turned into like, yeah, we're going to go and it's like, we gonna go over there, man. And if we see that nigga, man, I'm gonna bang his hands with a hammer, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat that nigga ass. And I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna put a screw in his dick. And I'm gonna be like, "Where my laptop at?" Mike, Mike was there under a pseudonym, under another name. Mm-hmm. And it it goes from that in five seconds to five dudes comforting three <laughs> college age girls. I'm rubbing one's back, and mm-hmm. I'm like, "I'm so sorry. We didn't mean to be." a threat, we just want our friend's stuff back. We thought we were going to come over here and it was going to be a house full of niggas with with guns, like protecting a laptop. And she's like, no, when I wrote that caption on Instagram, I wasn't talking about Mm y'all. These dumbass niggas, I was talking about him. Oh my God. (laughs) And the dudes that he was with who helped take your friend's stuff. And he just so happens to be my friend. So I let him hide out here, but I want him out of course because I, I can't have this energy around me and I'm like in her kitchen like getting her water. like it, it turns into like a fucking episode of Mori or something. Wow. and she proceeds to just snitch 100% on him. She drops all the dimes. She's like, this is where he is. this is where he hangs. This is where he'd be around da, da da da, whole nine yards. So I'm I'm continuing to talk and talk to her, and um, the the box of bullets just so happened to be there, but his book bag, and a laptop were, not to be found because he, he took it with him wherever he left to. More clues. So I'm continuing to just talk and talk and talk and talk, and, and my friend who I rode bikes with, comes up and he's like, "Yo, we gotta go," and I was like, "Well, I'm I'm talking to her about where." Where to go. We could find like this guy, and he's like, "We have to go now." And I was like, "What? Like, why are you rushing me and stuff?" And he <laughs> grabs me by the arm, and he's like, "I'm sorry, uh, my bad. We're all sorry, but we gotta leave." We did. We go back, and I'm like, "To the." We go back to the car, and I'm like, "Why? Why are we leaving?" And he's like, "There's a guy." Back at your house, who says he just fought the dude who stole Mike's laptop wow. at a, a MARTA station, which is the train system.
1: <laughs> oh, my God.
0: So we're riding back, talking on the phone, and he's like, yeah, man, I saw him, I saw him, and I just ran up, and I just started punching that nigga in the head, man. I saw him, because I know that's the nigga that stole your shit, man. I know that's the one. And- It was just so weird that, like, while we were there, someone was, like...
1: (laughs) He was being accosted.
0: Someone was trying to get it back in that exact moment. This thing was, like, happening in two places in the city at the same time. And we end up going, and we pick up the dude who will go unnamed, who got in the fight. We take him to West End Marta Station. Mm -hmm. And there, on uh, (laughs) the ground is mike's laptop uh sitting on a on a bag
1: wow
0: and the only thing that's wrong with it is that the screen is cracked but then this marta cop comes up and looks at the guy who was in the fight and he was like you have the nerve to come back here and he was like look let me explain it these are the guys who i was fighting for this laptop and the marta cop starts explaining how he was like about to arrest him he was about wow. to arrest both of them, but the guy who actually stole it <laughs> was getting punched in the face, and they're fighting at the MARTA station while we're at these girls' house, <laughs> and they're crying, and the laptop drops on the ground, and the guy who stole it just runs into a train as the doors are closing, never to be seen or heard from again. Wow. Uh, Where it is that he just like kind of left town back to Florida. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah, so that all of that happened from about noon that day to I think it it ended around 10, 10 or 11.
1: That's amazing that the, which was the friend who, who saw the, the picture on Instagram? Yeah. Which, was that Mike? That's ethereal. Ethereal. That's amazing that his hunch was right.
0: Yeah. I, I still, to this day, I'm like, What? Like, psychic, weird uh, search tags. What were you tagging to find (laughs) that? And how were you finding people's... He was literally, like, hopping, like, from one Instagram account. He would go through all their pictures, find one person who was at the party, go through all their stuff, find another person with them who was at the party. And he did that so many times that he landed... Wow. At this girl's Instagram page. He didn't know her name. Didn't search for her at all. He just knew that she had on a, a Supreme shirt. Wow. And ended up at her thing. And what's even more lucky, not, I don't even want to say lucky, but what it's, what's even more uncanny is that she took a picture of the dude. The guy. And posted it. <laughs> and I was just like, man you don't understand how fast you can get caught up just by using your phone mm-hmm. and just being like, ha-ha, look at this dumb shit. And she hit that post button and she gave – She had no idea. She had no idea that she was just like throwing smoke in the air and giving a signal Yep. and then to have like her location on and, and, and all this other stuff until this day after. I feel so bad about <laughs> whatever, you know, residual trauma happened from that day. But we we go there like thinking like she's there with all those dudes mm-hmm. because he was with like a bunch of dudes who probably could all fuck us up. Um, but we go there and there's no one there. Just like three nice ladies <laughs> not trying to get. They're so like just not trying to be a part of the drama. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that they just gave it all up. Like This is like a 2013 Atlanta like an almost like a noir movie, like a detective movie but like but stupider. But stupider. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: way way stupider and way less sophisticated <laughs> and uh a lot more drunk. <laughs> Cause you gotta, you gotta imagine like we, we're waking up that day after a party, hung over. You can't go staking people out and and interrogating people hung over, right? So you gotta start drinking again. True. To Get your edge back. True. True. So I'm in the I'm I'm I remember I was in the passenger seat and there's three guys in the back, all of who I know today to still be on some on some wild shit. Um. But yeah, I'm like. <laughs> a 40 in my lap like just riding around town like whoopty fucking do like on a mission though like I'm a cowboy or some shit, mm-hmm.
2: right? and, wow uh, yeah. that's down my would ain't got to say go ahead and call my Lord. shout out to my jeweler got me shining looking like some water shout out to my amigo cause
1: he just hunt them break off the water um tell me a little bit more about this song so no hook oj the juice man are you listening to this off an aux cord on a cd what would this what how would how would you be hearing this song throughout this story
0: so this we were riding around in my friend's mom's car <laughs> What was the car? The car was like a later, uh, I think it was a later Camry, a newer Camry. Okay, it was like a smoke gray color, and you could tell it was like a nice mom car. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we were we were. I had it on the Ox, and Mm -hmm. I remember I was playing it off of because the forty eight hours previous to that, when the song it came out, or not when it came out, when I found it on Dat Piff, Mm -hmm. and I mean it was it was like. A wildfire going through, through Atlanta. Like OJ is like that dude. He's back. This was at a time when OJ was kind of like on a downward curve of, of his career. And this song, this one song, turned everything. In my opinion, like all the trap music that was coming out of that time was either pre or post No Hook. Mm -hmm. And I still feel that way about music. I feel like No Hook was like, I don't know, man. That song is just really. Amazing and, and and important and important to me and and when I think about uh, that year, it just that's the song that that I hear in my brain. And I remember I had this old like really terrible Android phone <laughs> with like a cracked screen that yeah. and you just you're just like, what is this? And I was playing it off of that like just riding around with a bunch of dudes.
1: Do you do you have a favorite line on No Hook? <laughs>
0: Took her for some calamari, bitch. Don't order cheese sticks. Yeah. There's many a great line that. Okay, that line is that's that's my number one. Okay. The net, my number two uh, line. That's so honest from OJ, and that's why I love OJ as an artist. Is, is, is he has this ability to be so. It's almost like. When he's not trying to craft a clever line, the thing that he says is so much more poignant and mm. powerful mm-hmm. and so much more deep than trying to have a pun. That's why I love a lot of people. Like, I, lo- I love 21 for that reason. I love Future mm. for that reason. But he says, that he's this one line where he's like, I done had not have a lot of bricks. Some were good, and some were bad. But it's so honest. It's so honest. He's yeah. just like, Look, I've done this a lot of times. Yeah. Sometimes it was it was just the quality was amazing. Right. And other times, you know, I could just it smelt
1: a little off. That's or a whole was, chapter of his memoir. Yeah. The bad bricks. Yeah. The bad bricks, the good bricks. <laughs> 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 it almost
0: turns into like this cheesy, like live not for only the good bricks. But Appreciate the bad bricks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> as
0: the as the seasons doth change, so doth the quality of the bricks in one's repertoire.
1: <laughs> and um, and on that song too, to me it it almost has like the same. Uh, I don't know if there's other Atlanta songs I'm not familiar with that have this, but like the little melody in the background sounds like Trap or Die. Yeah. Jeezy. The... Yeah, think... Is that, are other Atlanta songs like that or is that, yeah, I it's think that that, that horn,
0: that arrangement of the horns is is like, and I can't name anything off the top of my head, but that horn arrangement on there, is, and you hear that. The way that like, like, doom, doom, do doom, doom, like that MPC cartel just like it's like a signature thing you hear it, you can hear it in so many songs and it's like infectious mm-hmm. it's like just gets inside you and it creates this whole other like world i don't know yeah
1: 50k waka flaka so yeah the other song
0: yeah that was that was the time i was listening to waka pretty tough the whole brick squad movement was just so amazing and so important to me and like that time of you kind of had like this this older guard of Atlanta rappers who who were like so connected to Gucci Mane and he was he still is like the epicenter of of Atlanta rap music and you can't talk about Atlanta rap without talking about Gucci and it was during a time where he was still like in a volatile stage of his career. I remember specifically like the song "Scarface" by Gucci Mane, which I don't think, I think it made it onto a mixtape, but it was it was uh, not the same song. There's two songs named "Scarface" by Gucci Mane, but I remember I would listen to that and watch him and just be like, "Oh my God!" Like young rappers can't even exist in this. Like a young dude who's not about what he's talking about could never uh, undermine. What was happening a few years ago in Atlanta rap. Um they were and they, st- they they were coming out, but it wasn't until you saw like this absence of Gucci that all these like SoundCloud dudes start to pop up. Right. You know, and even though he still uh he, he came when he was out of prison, um, ushered in a lot of these guys like Yachty and the Migos, but that was back in twenty thirteen. Man, Bando, when Bando came out, Was that 2013 also? No better than I do. Alex, was that 2013? Man. That. Right before Jesus. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was 2013.
0: Yeah, Bando coming out in 2013, and then you immediately see, like, boom, Migos under Gucci's tutelage. Yeah, I just felt like that was such a great time. It still felt like how the 90s felt with wrestling. You had, like, these heavy hitter dudes in physically and in their music who were just like the, the braggadocio and the the hubris was like honest and it was a little bit frightening, but it was more endearing than anything else. Mm-hmm. Cause Waka is just like a great guy, but he was also during this time, like rapping about like hitting people in the head with great goose bottles and like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I, m- I miss that time. I miss that that moment right before everything came became about fashion,
2: right? Because right? that was no it. Bitch Motherfucking moon, good, good reach. Reach. Sister, I don't give a damn about it, but I'll make with the chum. I got money in the field trying to try to pop a kid's cross. Me and Scooter ain't twins, but we got twin chop. Like, how do
0: you feel like those experiences
1: make their way into like, your art?
0: Uh, into the art, definitely more. is It's way more into the the jokes, mm-hmm. the, the stories I want to tell the, the, and the jokes I want to tell definitely are inspired by like that time of, of just like <laughs> not knowing what I was going to eat and not like knowing what was going on at all. It just, yeah, Atlanta, being poor in Atlanta is a, a huge well. Of inspiration and a lot of things that are like, you know, you move from there and you start to forget that kind of like that grittiness Mm -hmm. and that hot, like bubbling sensation of like, wow, I'm like in the shit right now. I'm I'm here and like it feels safe one second and then the next it's not.
1: But yeah. Let's say before you traveled outside of Atlanta for the first time. Mm-hmm. What was your idea of outside of Atlanta?
0: You know, I, I didn't realize, I don't know what I really thought. Like, I think the first time I went to New York was when I was kind of like, whoa, like, <laughs> you know, cause I, growing up, I never really had any opportunities to travel until like, my early 20s when opportunities started to, like, come about in my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I get to New York and I, I had this, like, big realization of, like, how many young people are were were in the professional world and how many young people owned entire companies already and how many young people, young black people, um, were really, like, running shit and, and doing, like, really – brave and really big things in their craft. I think that was that was one big thing that that I realized. And also, I was, the certain assumptions that I had were pretty true where I was like I'll never like anything as much as I like it here. Yep. At this at that specific time. I don't yep. think I'll ever like a city more than I liked Atlanta between 2013 and, and 2015 when I was just kind of like I mean and it's biased because I was in such a formative stage, so that time will always look more fun mm-hmm. than anything else, but
1: um, yeah, it's just true, yeah, okay, I got one last question for you, yeah, do you think that birds ever die mid flight, not like being shot or mm-hmm. like whatever, but like do you think they're like old like you know like old people, yeah. One day you you might just be walking around, you have a heart attack, you die. Yeah. Do you think that happens to birds? I Why or why not?
0: I, I do think it happens because I've seen a couple birds that are dead that don't, they don't look like it's happened from any other trauma. Right. And they are too far away from a wire or a tree to have been dying at rest. You know what I mean? Right. So I feel like. Cause like, I remember I was in Austin and I saw a bird that was just kind of like in the middle of the street, Yeah, but it wasn't hit by a car because its body wasn't like fucked up. It was just gingerly laid on the ground. Still feathered. Like like someone, yeah, someone just like gently placed it there and he had like this kind of like, you could tell his head, like he must've hit something. So I was thinking either this thing hit a building or like a window, but I look around and there's no windows like clean enough to, to have made that (laughs) stupid mistake. So yeah, I was like, yeah, this guy was just old and he was doing his thing. And and I didn't think about that then, but now that you say it, he probably was just like on his last little fly.
1: Wow. Wow. I'm really glad we could share that moment together. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like think I need a drink after that. Yeah. Wow, dude! Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you. Yeah, thank you.
0: I I, I appreciate you letting me just like say say more than I probably should have. <laughs> you know, it's not so often that you just have someone who lets you just incriminate
1: yourself. That's really what I'm here for. Um, that's what a good friend does. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah, I got you, Yes. Just
0: having someone that I know I can always depend on to help me dry snitch on myself.
1: Yeah, yeah. A true, true friendship. Um, by the way, that how much truth is there to that meme? That's like, when you're from Atlanta, but you haven't danced at a gas station in eight minutes.
0: Oh, my God. I haven't even seen that, but it's true. Without seeing that at all, I can tell you it's 100% true. Wow, the gas station. just You know, I, I shouldn't even say this on on a recording, but I would love to make an installation club that's like a pop-up where it's just built like a gas like the outside of a gas station you can't even go that's, inside
1: Dude, that's such a good idea you can't
0: even go inside right. but you go in this this sort of like big room that's the size of, a, of a, the parking lot and there's the pumps and i'd pick four cars to be parked at some of them and i yeah I, i'd hire uh some crackheads mm-hmm. to be out there in, for effect and there's no there's no dj there's just the cars in this room playing whatever songs they're parking lot pimping with. <laughs> so there, there could be like three songs playing at once, but you kind of hear all of it and you kind of go to each pump and have a different experience. Maybe one you get slapped. Maybe another one you buy some weed. Maybe another one you get forced to buy some weed. Damn. That's That man, that's a thousand dollar idea right there
1: that should be in the smithsonian dude (laughs) i truly believe that
0: that's like some moma shit yeah
1: yeah thank you for sharing yeah dope um okay well i'll see you at some point yeah maybe yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah, we'll figure it out (laughs) Just
2: oh
1: the truth. That is one of the most amazing stories I've ever heard. Uh, I, I felt like I was there when he was telling it. I don't know if you could tell that I was like getting lost, like transfixed in his story. I had to like snap myself out of it a couple times. You know, we need people who make us think from new perspectives. People who force us to look at society through different lenses. Zach is one of those people. One thing I really related to was Zach saying that he just, he wanted to be around people he wanted to work with. And I feel that a lot because when I first started out, you know, my little handheld camera was the key to another world. Just like zach's humor was his key to go places outside of edgewood my camera got me to be around the people that i admired and you know like the feeling that i got when i would finish up one of these bucket list interviews it was like one of the most exhilarating feelings like it was like pure adrenaline but after i had done enough of them I started to realize that those little five-minute interviews—that that couldn't be it. That that was getting old quick. I guess I should say. What I realized was that I actually like wanted to be friends with some of these people and like truly collaborate with them, as friends do. And in that way, it's been really amazing to watch Zach's friendship with Thundercat Blossom. You know, we just see it on Twitter, but in real life too. It's it's amazing to see their friendship. You know, I think Zach and I are both at this point in our journey where I think we realize that we're doing things our younger selves never could have imagined. But we also realize that we're just getting started and we've only seen like a sliver of our potential, you know? And I just hope that people with a lot of money realize that for both of us (laughs) sooner than later. So yeah. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of the Nostalgia Mixtape. I'm your host, Saman Shraui. This episode was recorded by Jasmine Chen at Forecast Recordings and produced, as always, by Jason Crow. And if you really like the music that you heard on this episode or any other episode, you can always find our playlists on Spotify, on Apple, on Tidal, and jump in and discover some new favorites or maybe revisit some old ones. Do your thing, basically. And if you really, really like this episode please head on over to patreon.com slash nostalgiatapes. It's the handle, just like all our other social media. And throw us a few bucks. It'll help keep the lights on. So thank you so much, and we'll catch you next time.
2: Yeah, this how my family function, this how my family function This how my family function, nigga we love this function This how my family function, this how my family function This how my family function, my family function, my family function, my family
0: function nigga we love this function Any and Patron, bitch yeah. you know that it's a bad yeah. look it's I'm bout to love. hit the club and do yeah. some shit to get my ass wet All my warm. niggas trifling, ass and backwards on your carpet yeah. Bitch I came a long way from stealing Phoenix at a target And yeah. we turn of yeah. day somebody yeah. doing so try. Line. Hold up. on, wait, I dropped my strap at the Soul Train line Good time. bitch, I'm JJ, I might hit you with that dynamite no, no, no. My nigga got that Elon pack, I'm higher than a Federer So on a Tuesday night Everybody here down to take a nigga life If you wanna
2: slide, pussy nigga, didn't slide One nigga ride, everybody gon' ride Took a on a Tuesday night Everybody here down to take a nigga life if you wanna slide, pussy nigga, then slide One nigga ride, everybody gon' ride Let's go.